As a player, Stephen Swift had a reputation for liking a laugh and a joke. Now he's deadly serious about becoming the best manager possible. Stephen is boss of Lowland League side BSC Glasgow. Last year he led them to an historic clash with Hibs in the last 16 of the Scottish Cup. Their achievement in getting there and the way they played on the day was yet more proof of his growing credentials in the dugout. Life as a gaffer started at Coburnie Laidside eight years ago. We'll take a look at that transition and learn about his ambitions. Plus, we'll reflect on those madcap days playing for the likes of Benberg and Stranra and the proud moment he was capped for Scotland. It's all here on Down the Divisions. So there's now a provisional date of October the 3rd for New Mains to resume, Paul. Yeah, we got a, a date through yesterday, so it gives everybody a wee target to aim for. I don't know how set in stone that's going to be. Uh, and I think the, the fixtures are getting made up this week as well. So uh, it certainly gives us all a goal and a wee target to aim for. And uh, talking about that, you've, you've been pretty active in the transfer market as well this week. Yeah, we've, we brought in six players this week. So we brought in Brighton, Nolan, Kieran Brass and Scott Common for Socky Juniors, which for us has been fantastic. We've been after them for a wee while. And then we brought in uh, three lads for the amateurs, Greg McPake, Andy Fordstrom and, and uh, Sean Power. So... Yeah, just hopefully now add add a striker to that and we'll be good to go. Good stuff. Well, it's good to have you all listening. We're here every Wednesday with a new episode. If you've got any comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. My name is Brian Ferguson manager of Linlithgow Rose, and you are listening to Down the Divisions. BSC Glasgow boss Stephen Swift is our guest this week. Thanks for being here, Stephen. No problem. How are you doing? All good, all good. Uh, looking forward to some uh, stories later on. But before we, we get to that, we've got the, the Down the Divisions decider where one of us gives four clues for a particular year. It's still balanced on a knife edge at two apiece between Lauren Davis and tonight Davis has the clues. Over to you, Paul. Right, so we'll bring Stephen in on this as well. Now, I, you told me Stephen was 55, so I, I kind of went a wee bit. <laughs> <laughs> Show my picture, maybe. <laughs> so, I didn't realise you were you were so young, Stephen. Oh, cheers, mate. So, uh, right, so the first clue is the pound note was withdrawn from circulation. Christ. The two big films in the movies was Rain Man and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Luton Town won the English League Cup and Celtic won the League and Cup double. Would you like to hear them again? Um, yes. Uh, no, I know the answer. Oh, right, oh. Gareth, you go first. No, I think you should have guessed. I think the guest always go first. <laughs> the answer. Um, well, I, I, my two biggest clues was Rain Man and the, the Celtic double, so I'm going to say 1988. Gareth? I was going to go 87 or 88, I must admit. I actually wrote about this during lockdown as well. No. Never read your own writing. <laughs> you can't just copy me, Gareth. Ah, yeah, but I'll go 87. Right, okay. Answers are firmly locked in. We'll find out at the end of the show. Hi, it's Murdo McKinnon, Port Manager here, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. 
BSC Glasgow manager Stephen Swift is our guest this week. Uh, Stephen Paul and I were talking about the provisional start date for clubs there and how it's helped him make some signings. Have you found that as well, that, that the sort of certainty is, has allowed you to kind of persuade guys to come? Yeah, to I think it definitely helps. I mean, um, earlier on in the close season, you're, you're finding it difficult to, for players to even be motivated thinking about starting back. So when you've got that start date and you can possibly have drafted up a pre-season itinerary and when players see that type of thing, it kind of, in their, in their mind, they see it's realistic now that, that, that we can come back. So I think that definitely helps um, with the players. Um, so no, we, 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 have seen, we, we have seen it being a lot easier in recruitment, um, especially over the last couple of weeks, things have gathered, gathered a bit of pace. We've, we've made a couple of young signings and we're probably hoping to announce another three or four in the next week, which we, we feel as if meetings have went well. But um, we're hoping, like I say, I don't want to say too much, but I'm, I'm hoping um, that, that the club can announce three or four signings in the next week. Are you, so you're quite happy with the way things are going now then? You'd, you'd like to think you're on course for, for getting the squad you know, that you want in time for, for, the, for the resumption? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think we are. Um, we've had a kind of, kind of bit of a blow in the respect that we've lost three strikers. I think everybody looks like Thomas Collins has went to East Fife, Thomas Orr's went to Shunrah, and Big Martin Grehan, who I've had for the last five years, he's um, he's went and he's he's having difficulty kind of committing to the level, so he's he's kind of moving to Gap Cairn. So with A3, it's it's a it's a massive chunk of our attacking attacking uh, force going going forward. Basically, that we've lost. So that that's a big that's that's a kind of big thing that we need to fill. So, but credit credit to these guys, like say the younger guys, Thomas Orr and Thomas Collins, they've done well for us. So that we've got. To kind of be happy for them and give them what their, their best wishes for them to move forward because that's what it's all about. I mean, the loan league, um, we we think we can give players a platform to then move forward to go into the to the senior ranks, and that's it's, it's happened with you guys. At BSC, Stephen, you've obviously got quite a few youth teams underneath. Do you get many boys coming through over the last couple of years coming up for the 21s? Um, well, not as many as we would like, to be honest with you. But that, that was a big reason um, for me taking over was was the actual ideology of the infrastructure of the club being there. Um, I think think you look they, they kind of are trying to do things the right way. I think when 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 I took over BSC, I think the highest position was was eighth in the league. So probably kind of if you're a younger player. Um, if a team's eighth in the Lowland League, you maybe would rather go to like an Albion Rovers youth team or whatever. You, you, you know, it makes sense to go at a higher level. You can, but I think through the last few years, we'll, we'll put BSE in the map. And I think regards to um, the Scottish Cup run last year, it's now given us better scope to actually recruit into the, the under twenties and the seventeens and things like that. Um, and and I think that that will help us moving forward. To answer your question, to actually get these youth players coming through of a better quality, etc. Um, but that's that's the kind of aim of the club. We want to eventually be able to kind of breed our own youth system through into the first team. Obviously, you started your managerial career at, at Kilburnie. Uh, I think you were there for four years. Yeah. How did how did you the the transition go from you going from kind of junior football into the Lowland League setup? Um, well, 
I think um, Gordon Strachan always says like a manager has his shelf life like four four or five years is, is plenty and that I think I felt as if at Coburnley I'd, I'd done my I'd done what I had to do and kind of done really well in the league with them and won a cup and etc I just felt as if it was probably as far as I could go um, now when I left them I'll be honest with you I hadn't even heard of BSC Glasgow yeah, I had heard I'd kind of heard of them but I didn't know much about them should I say um, but with that coming along I went and spoke to Kenny and George and um, when they kind of spoke about like I mentioned the infrastructure of the club and their ambitions to try and become a League 2 club I kind of bought into it so it was kind of just by chance that the transition um, for juniors to the Lowland League happened but when when I eventually did um, take the job and, and really get to know the Lowland League it did surprise me especially the top five or six teams how good it was and I think as everybody sees with Alexa the top junior teams coming up your Kelties and your Bonnie Rig and, and obviously Bones coming in this year I think it's just going to grow from strength to strength and the, the pyramid um, is going to grow from strength to strength as well and a lot of teams will be looking over their shoulder in the league too but they don't want to go down We'll come to a bit more of that in a bit more detail later. Um, I, I was going to speak to you about um, we had your chairman George George Fraser on. Yeah. I think it was episode two, and and we were talking to him about obviously the the club not having its own base, and he was talking about it obviously from a a financial base, a foot, you know, the, the sort of the administrative side of it as well. But when 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 you're a manager and you're having to sort of ship ship fans through and, and I guess less fans would maybe come than if you'd had a, a sort of permanent base through in Glasgow. How, how much of an impact does it have on, on, on your job and how much more of a challenge is it for you that way? Yeah, well, since I came in, I've probably got used to the idea that we don't get many fans. We actually, we've actually got to the stage we really enjoy Allo. It's a great stadium. It's a good, good um, surface to go and play on. But I think what's what's maybe hit home is the the actual Scottish Cup run we got and the amount of fans that you see in the potential of the club. It's a Glasgow club and you, you kinda know how many fans you could potentially get through the through the gate. So I think with that Scottish Cup run it's painted the picture where we go, you know what, we really need to move back to Glasgow. Um as much as Aloe has been great. Um, if the club really want to progress and move forward and and uh, fill the potential that they have we we'll definitely need to move back to Glasgow. But, but the other side of that is we don't want to move just, just for the sake of it because the, the club had played at Mary Hill before and no disrespect to, to that, what they had going there, but um, the, the pitch wasn't maybe on all the time. Um, whereas where Alouettes, you know, you've no fear the the game's going to be on 99% of the time. Um, so they, they definitely had issues. So I, I would say that we definitely want to move to Glasgow, but we need to make sure it's the right location. And I think that's probably why we've no rushed into it at this at this stage. Tell us about. I mentioned at the start of the show. Tell us about this Stephen Swift, the manager. Where's that Stephen Swift, the player, gone? That that kind of dafty that used to kind of yeah. enjoy a, a joke or two and a laugh and all that. Is he, is he still in there somewhere, or is this is, oh, this, is this a bit of a facade? This uh, this this exterior that you put on for, as a, as a manager now? No, I I think it, I'm probably I think that that kind of daft um, kind of football player is always in there somewhere. 
you know <laughs> what I mean? But um, I think uh, you've got to think where your career's going to go. You can't be the the team joker and and just kind of having a laugh all the time. There's got to be a time where you say, you know what? You've got to um, screw the head. They they days uh, being the life and soul of the dressing room. That's over. Um, and you've got to think there's players that look up to you. you you're the kind of you're the focus of the whole club. So you, you you've got to make sure that you do things right and you, you you're the best influence as you can on the players. But um, I know I know what you can remember me. You know what I mean back back in the playing days. A few stories, but um, I love I love my playing times and I think I want to change that for the world being that kind of team joker. But like you say, life life moves on, doesn't it? You've got to roll with the punches. Did you make a conscious decision as a senior player to to say, do you know what? I want to go down the road of coaching and management, and I need to. I need to change the way I am, or or was it just something that you change? You changed the way you were when you got the job. No, I, I think as a senior player, I remember like when I was with Irvine Meadow, and like I must have been about 28, 29, and like Chris Strain was coming up, going, "I can you do the corners today and make sure everybody's um, organised." And I'm going, "What's he asking me for?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, is he, is he kidding on? But eventually it hits home. You go, you know what? You're not, you're not a wee dafty anymore. You've got to, um, you've got to take the role of the experienced player in the dressing room. Um, and obviously you bring younger players in, and they're asking you questions. And eventually it hits home. You go, right? I've got to kind of change. And other, you, you remember older players helping you so you then think well it's my turn I've got to then tell these players what like it is to go and play in the championship in league one and that's their ambition so you've got to kind of treat it serious so that was probably the start of the transition with, with being a senior player and I, I really liked that feeling uh, uh, kind of maybe the younger players looking up to you and the manager giving you a bit of responsibility so all of that probably started the transition. I've spoke to a lot of people about you uh, in the game and they say, you know, hi, speak very highly how organised you are. And yeah, your own chairman, as Gareth said, was on the, the show and, and he spoke about it. Where did you kind of get the appetite from as a, a manager out there that you thought, you know what, that's how it should be done and, and that's how I'm going to kind of model myself on? Mm -hmm. I I think it's the old one I think most players will say this what I'm going to say um, and you probably take it off everybody I mean I've been I've I've played um, for some good managers um, when when I was at junior Jim Sinnott who was a tremendous man manager um, Neil Watt Stranraer, who was another guy that you, you respected highly by the way he ran his life, the way he kind of, the stature he posed um, that, that kind of, you looked up to that, and then the other side you looked at Ian McCall, who was a kind of total football guy and you, he's dedicated his life to the game and so, you, looking at the, the type of guys, you, you pick what you liked, and probably what you didn't like, and, and maybe didn't use that, you know, and so I think that's important, but for me the, the biggest thing is I think Chris Hutton was actually done something on it um, with a modern soccer coach that I, I kind of watch he says the biggest thing is do not um, be anybody else I mean whether you be going on a coaching course and, and everybody they, they want you to act a certain way that's fine that's fine but you, you should have your own identity you should always have your own personality because if everybody was the same it would be boring you know what I mean? You've got to do it your way, the way you believe, your model, your philosophy. And I think that's important. As much as you grab the things you like 
they, 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 they managers that have been good uh, role models to you but I think it's so important you get your, your own man as well if that makes sense you kind of go to kind of mix and match Can you remember your first team talk as Cleburne boss and, yeah. and how how did it feel did it feel natural or, did, or was it something that you've grown to get used to um, I, I actually do remember it we were playing Clyde Bank and I remember, like, um, Paddy Flannery was, was one of the strikers, and I'm thinking, I kind of knew Paddy, but uh, just with playing against him and things like that, but I'm thinking, as a guy that's played at a good level, and I remember um, when I was writing out my team talk, I'm going, oh, I'm going to be nervous, and you don't want to show the weakness, because these boys, some of the boys were actually older than me, because I was only, I think I was a manager at 32. Yeah. So as much as... Um, it was really daunting in the respect that you're thinking, what are they thinking about me? But do you know what? I'm, I'm so glad I've done that at a young age because I think how much I've learned. And like you say, that team talk, I, I look back and as much as you remember snippets of the team talk, I think of where I am now to where I was then. And you look at, is it worth it? Well, it is because I feel as if I've, I've, I've been, I'm 10 times a manager now than, than what I was then. So it's good to kind of look back on that. You talked about, I think when I did the, the interview with you before the Hibs game, I think you were you were talking, I know you mentioned coaching courses there, but the SFA courses kind of shed a new light and a new dimension on it for you oh, as well. Big time, big time. And I think that's, um, you probably, you pr- I actually look back before the SFA coaches and go, did, did I know an awful lot about football? But And I don't mean they teach you, like, everything there is to know but what, what what it does I think it creates a template for you to go and be your, be your own man so it gives you that template to go right what do I, what do I need to do to create my own model how will I how will I add things my, for, for myself and kind of how you see the game it really makes you think about the game and 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 sometimes you look back when you when you played and you go I didn't have a clue about the game really and, and and it wasn't until you get into management and do the SFA courses you really do learn and I always say to players I mean I feel as if I, I mean that's me being maybe a manager eight or nine years now and I, I say to them all the time if I'm still learning and that's what I hate. I hate players that don't accept accountability and they want to think they know everything. If I'm still learning after everything I've been through, then you are certainly still learning as well. So we're all students of the game, and um, I think that's an important thing. You always try and uh, take what you can on board. I did some uh, I did some research today, uh, Stephen, and uh, one former assistant manager of yours. Yep. His quote was, great nature who was very respectful and knew when to draw the line. A fullback with bags of ability and energy. A great team player, but bonkers. Oh, is that right? wonder who that would have been. I couldn't possibly uh, comment. Was it a manager or a, a coach? Uh, he was, an, he was a, an assistant manager. Oh, must, must be Muller. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't possibly comment. But, but, uh, but uh, do, you miss those, do you miss those days, albeit? Now, as you say, you moved into the dugout and you're the manager and you're ambitious. Do you miss those playing days? You know, and, and the laughs and the jokes and everything that you could have back then? Of course, of course. I don't think... Uh, I really love management. And a lot of people will say you, you can't be playing... I think management does come close for me, to be honest with you, because I do enjoy it that much. But 
um, your playing days are brilliant. You, you know, and I, I've been lucky. I've been lucky enough to be a part of some great junior teams that, that got great success. And I've also been lucky to be part of some great senior teams that, that had success as well, winning winning leagues and promotion. And uh, really, really, um, really good to play with some cracking players. And I think you've ju- I've just got to be grateful with, with the kind of career I had. Because, I mean, I look back and go, there was players when I was at school and things like that that were miles better than me that, that maybe didn't play the level I did um, and sometimes it's you, you're just going to be grateful to meet the people you have and, and the players that you've played with which was brilliant I've loved every minute of my playing days and I'm really enjoying my management football in general is great and uh, also coming back to Stuart Miller's quotes this is somebody with bags of energy for allegedly, Paul, allegedly, I didn't. <laughs> <know>. <laughs> <laughs> I just rumbled him. Uh, but obviously, for a for a, a more defensive type player, scored over a hundred goals. Yeah, that's some return, isn't it? Well, do you know, I, I always had a knack for for scoring goals. Even like I remember um, when I, when my last season at Bemba, and, and remember Bemba, we were the champions, like the Premier League, which. We were a right good team, um, and I'd scored 19 goals in the in the one season, and I was competing with John Tinney, who took about 17 penalties, and I think he got 20. He beat me with one goal, and I always remember that I wanted to continue to, to keep scoring, and let, up to Christmas I'd scored the eight goals with Stranraer right back um, in my first season. And uh, I just thinking to myself, this is this is going really well. So, no, I always liked. Uh, Mike, Michael Moore used to slag me, in fact, because he says the reason you get goals is they all used to mark the big guys. Mick would be like that with the, the players would be the horn in the mouth trying to stop them even for shouting with the ball, and I'd appear at the back post because nobody would expect me to to come in. He says so. <laughs> nobody with any stature marked you. That's what that was his excuse. But no, to answer, I, I really liked um, uh, chipping in with a few goals. Yeah, you had quite a good uh, Welsh accent when you wanted to put one on from time to time as well, didn't you? I don't know what accent it was, but it was um, it was it was effective with some <laughs> of my teammates anyway. Run us through that. Uh, that that was that was for you as well. I uh, Lee Sharp get done because Big Derek Wingate was actually in the papers and we'd we'd rang Lee Sharp up and but uh, seeing it was Gareth Law for the Sun Sports Desk and he was telling you what he had in his pieces on the way to the game. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so now we got we got a few people with that eye, so it was good. You, you talk, you're talking there about obviously Stranraer and and your your time in this in the, the senior game, but we like to cover everything from from League One down on the show. And how how key was your time at Bemba? Gave you a good good kind of platform for pushing on and, and doing what you did. Yeah, well, I mean, I remember uh, I was 16 and Ben Bob asked me to, to come in and trade. I was actually playing with Glenna for under-18s and I thought, well, I'm actually 16 playing with them. That was high enough, but um, Ben Bob had asked me to train and I impressed at training and they had a, a, a charity. Uh, it was actually end of season game with St Anthony's and I played and I scored. And the manager, Andy Daly, says, I want to sign you. And I was always 16. And my dad was like, ah, well, um, he wanted me to get a trade behind me anyway. If He didn't want me to go to like kind of a development or, or YTS it was at the time with, with any other team. So he was quite old school in the respect that he thought, no, I think junior football will be good for you. So I went at Ben Bob I was 16 up until I was um, 20. 
and it gave me a good grounding um, as much as maybe people think you pick up bad habits at junior or maybe you get a better coaching at, at, at youth level but I think it done me really good because um, a lot of players, even looking at now being a coach, a lot of players come out these development uh, teams and I don't think they're a man yet. Whereas when I played with Ben Bub, I felt as if it was it was a game of men's football and, and by the time I'd finished there, I think it set me up to go and, to go and play where, where eventually I did. Obviously, I went to Motherwell then Livingston and uh, it, was, it was good. To, obviously, I never broke into the first teams, but it was a good experience. You touched on there, you'd went to Livingston. Did you uh, go full-time then? So you yeah. went from going Ben Bob's yeah. to full-time. Yeah. How, did you, how did you find that? Um, I, I thought it was absolutely brilliant um, in regards to... The, the thing is, with, with, with Livingston, the deal that they done was the... They says I can go to the Benz and the Benz done a deal with them that as long as I stayed there to the end of the season when I was 19, um, played with the Benz to the other end of the season, I could stay full-time with Livy. So when I went to Livy for the first year, they were in the, the, the championship, the old first division, so they were looking to win that. Um, but I was just, I remember being desperate going, I wish I wasn't alone to Bember because I was really close at that time. I felt as if I was training well and they were, they were just at the start of the signings regard to bringing big Marvin Andrews, Paul Burns for Wraith and Tosher. I think they they done a they done a raid on Wraith Rovers to kind of get up that that division, um, and I thought to myself, you know what, I'm really close. So then, because I'd done well, um, they they gave me another year um, when they were in the Premier League. But by the time they got to the Premier League, they were signing David Fernandez, uh, like Rubio, Kino, Philippe Branquan. I mean, people forget that year. That Levy, I, I was in the Levy team. Levy finished third in the league behind Celtic and Rangers, who were back then your Amarussos and Larsons and Sutton. So Levy finished third that year. Um, so that was always kind of I look back and go, it's quite unfortunate that it was a great club and I, I think I'd have got in the first division team. But by the time they got to the Premier and they were signing all these players, there was just no chance of me even breaching that kind of kind of standard. I don't think I was ready at that point, and then I got loaned out to Cowdenbeath. So who would have been the manager there that signed you for, for Livingston? It was co-managers, Jim Leishman and David Hay, um, who, who were the managers and uh, got on great with both of them. Um, really, obviously, being a Celtic fan, um, it was great to with David Hay being there um, and, and great to kind of get coached off him. And he, was, he always had time for you. Always after training, he would go through certain drills, played, played full-back, and obviously he had a bit of experience there as well and just kind of tried to give you tips. Brilliant man and a brilliant coach. Uh, you would think guys like that maybe not have any time for you. I just thought he was absolutely brilliant. And Jim Leishman's Jim Leishman. He was more of a man-manager, um, maybe not so much of a coach, but um, I, thought, I thought the two of them were, were, uh, were a good were just a good chemistry together. So they then put you out on loan, kind of down the divisions to Cowden Beath. Yeah. Was that a, a good experience for you? I, you always look in the positives of stuff, I think. Um, because I came from Bemberg, I didn't really have much senior experience, so as much as I was playing reserve games for Livy the year before and playing with, I'm talking about we win the reserve league the year before but playing with right good players um, because the, the, the size of squad they had I mean we were playing in the, like, the, the reserve team with like David Hagen Scott Crabb 
um, Jamie Dolan, who's deceased, unfortunately, um, and, and guys like uh, Paul Burns, Toasty, guys like that. I mean, unbelievable team we had, and, and just to play in that was great. But when you then go and play for Cowdenbeath, and it's um, it was obviously the, the the old second division league one it is now. Um, the match of debut for Cowdenbeath was against Stranard, believe it or not. They, they hammered us. So um, that wasn't that wasn't very good, but like you say, it was. I always looked at it as it being a, a great experience. And playing at that ground at Cowden Beath so was an experience, isn't it? I know. I, I think we, we see see when you when you when you're no and playing with Cowden Beath and you go there, you always think, oh, this is a dump. But see when you actually played with them, you used it to your advantage because I remember teams like Clyde Bank. Likes a, had had a top team. Obviously, Derek Ferguson was a co-manager, and they were attracting. I remember like Gordon Jury came in one time. Da- Darren Jackson, they're all going in the changing room, and I says, "We moved up a division." <laughs> Billy, M- Billy McKinley was playing with him. But like you say, guys that wanted to play football and get the ball done. See that Clyde Bank team? They hated coming to Cowden Beef, and we knew it. And that's you've got to kind of use it at your advantage. I guess as well for you, having not played at Livingston, it was all about game time for you then, and was that why you made the moves you did afterwards? Then you know it was it was about playing. Yeah, well, what it was, it was a three month loan, and uh, Cowden Beath wanted to keep to keep me on, and I probably knew that I had to. But what had happened was, I think there was something that you you could only do one one loan per per season, and uh, Livingston didn't force me. Jim Leishman says, look. You, unfortunately you can't go out and loan again but you can come back here at the end of the season And but then I thought I'll be back there I'll be training every day I'll not be getting games so I had to make a conscious decision going am I really going to be in the Premier League at this moment in time? No, no I'm not so I had to um, swallow my pride and say to Livingston thanks for everything but I'm going to have to go and play at a level that's compa- compa- compatible sorry, with, with my kind of abilities at the time and that was to go and play in League One with Cowdenbeath And then went on to Lindnithgo as well before Stranraer yeah, well, it was actually um, Billy McClellan was the manager of Shunner, and I'd practically, uh, anybody that knows Billy, he's a bit of an intimidating character. Um, so I'd met him and agree, agreed everything with him. But the 11th hour, my old manager, Jim Sinnott, I didn't have a job at the time because I just left full-time with Livy. So he'd said, look, I can get you a job um, working um, with a company called Porter Cabin, the, the assistant Harry Irwin worked with. Um, he says if you come if you come here and sign with us, we'll get you this job. So I thought to myself, I didn't want to go to Lomathko, but I thought to myself because they were giving me that part time job and because I had a young family, I thought right, I'm going to need to bite the bullet. So I had to make the the phone call to Billy McClellan, which I was there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember phoning him, got Billy, just to let you know, I'm going to go to Lomathko. They've got they've got me a job, and he went, well, if you want to do that to your career, that's fine. And I thought <laughs> we still on the phone. I'm going, well, um, well, it's just obviously I've got a young family, and I heard this beep. <laughs> 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 it hung up, and I'm still trying to talk, and I'm going, that, that was just him as well. That was, piss off you know what I mean so I was a bit gutted with that because I didn't really want it and, and as much as you know what I enjoyed going to Longlithgow in the respect that we, we went and won the league and um, we, we went go to the Scottish Cup final um, against Tayport unfortunately lost but it was a great experience and a great club um, junior wise a real real top club um, so I, 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 as much as I don't have many regrets but I, I, 
that that Strenar one probably was was a was a sore one that I didn't even make that decision. But unfortunately, circumstances dictated what I done that time. For kind of the purpose of our listeners, I, I always like to try and get kind of comparisons. How how did you find it going from Cowdenbeath to Linlithgow in terms of the standard? Yeah, well, see, see, going back, I remember when I was full time with Livingston. See, when I went to Cowdenbeath at first, I, I was absolutely on fire, and I felt as if it was actually really easy. But but then you gradually come down to the level when you stop being full time, and then similar. When I went from Cowdenbeath to, to Linlithgow, I felt on fire again, and you, you kind of gradually come down. Um, but I, I felt as if I had a really good year at Linlithgow, to be fair. But but um, looking at it, I think to answer your question, you day you day know you're a level above that, but you you need to be very careful that you don't fall into the trap and get down to that kind of level. You, you've got to remember why you actually were at Livingston and why you were doing well, so you've got to put the, the extra work in involved, I feel. When you went to Stranra, eventually, could you have believed it would go so well at the time? Were you, were you sold the dream by Neil and Stewart? Yeah, yeah. To be, to be fair, I, I was. I, I mean, right away, Neil Watt, the first thing he said to me, he says, listen, I'm telling you, we're not here to mess about the third division. We're going to win this. And, and the thing is, I believed him. Um, and I remember the, the start we had. We, we played, uh, we drew with Albion Rovers 0-0 and, and we absolutely battered them. My big Chris Fahey was in goals and I think it's the best he's ever played because I had him at Colburnie and he never saved anything. So... <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, that, that's a kid. Oh, the big man was a good boy. But, but this day, this day Strenard, it was unbelievable. And I remember it was about 90 degrees the first day of the season, and Big Mac Moore's lobbed it over him. And it's actually hit, hit just before the line, hit the bar, hit the line, and Big Fahey's picked up. It was one of the games, so we drew 0 0 with them. Then we went and played Stirling. We get beat off Stirling. And at the third game of the season, we were playing Peter Heed up there. And I'm thinking we're getting beat 1 0. And I'm going, I remember in the back of my head, I'm going, he's told me we're going to go and win this league. And it's no, it's no, we're not, we've no chance. This is three games in, we've not won a game yet. And just at 1-0 at Peter Heed, what changed everything? Changed the whole dynamic of the season. David Graham came off the bench, um, scored two. And we were about five minutes to go, we beat uh, we beat Peter Heed 2-1. And, and that kind of just put us on an unbelievable run. Um, so it's amazing how, how, how quick things can change. It was a great squad that as well, isn't it? Wasn't it? You know, they seemed yeah. very tight knit, and and everybody seemed to be in it together. I think I think the kind of the culture we created there, how how close the, the players were, was unreal. Probably as close a, a group of players that I've ever experienced. Um, obviously, I, I believe my BSE team's really close just now, but that this Stranraer team probably was was a kind of pinnacle of culture. Um, and, and like you say, after that Peterhead game, we we'd established this. 3-5-2 um, where we'd played a 4-4-2 before that but we got this 3-5-2 and it was Michael Moore and David Graham up front and once we got that formation we, we were just absolutely steamrolling teams and, and we, we we eventually went out and won the league but you, you look at that league back then I mean Stirling were a top team who went through the divisions and got to the championship Gretna had went to the Premier League Peter Heed were always real real tough team um, like Cowdenbeath who went to the, that Cowdenbeath team went to the championship I, I think people don't realise how good a standard that third division was back then What created that atmosphere? You obviously imagine yourself you try and pass that on yeah. uh, was it those long journeys down to Stranraer was it the 
fact that you know a lot of you were from were Glasgow based boys yeah. and and so everywhere was a travel for you. What yeah. was the what would you say the secret was? Well, I, I think a big I think Gareth had done a bit. I think you remember Gareth you done on the buses. Do you remember that you done a wee piece about how the the journey to Stranraer and all that um, was was um, you know remember. <laughs> A long time ago, that you're a good journalist, thank you. <laughs> You've got a better memory than me. Uh, so you've done it anyway, but uh, that 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 was a big thing. See see that travel, because um, every game was an away game. Because you, even if you were at home, you were going down to Stranraer, um, and obviously uh, you you were going to be to Peterhead, Elgin, Montrose, everything. everything. So you, you had to, you had to be close, but not only that. I think I think you had to have a good mix here, that uh, have that good culture, as I spoke about, with good back experience with big Derek Wingate, um, Lee Sharp, um, Kenny Meakin, who was a kind of goalkeeper as well, and then then we had a lot of young guys to kind of follow in who were hungry. Myself, Michael Moore, David Graham, Alan Jenkins, Kevin Finlayson. These guys were desperate to kind of make a career for themselves. Big Fraser Wright. So, I mean, it was really a top, top team um, and a, a great, great group of boys to work with. And certainly no many teams have done the, the back-to-back promotions coming up through through the, the lower divisions there. Yep. Uh, I mean, we, what we felt is, I'd mentioned it earlier about New Walk going, listen, we're not here to mess about. Um, we, we're here to win this third division we went and done that and it, when he came in the second division we, we thought he was going to say well let's consolidate let's see how we're going to go but right away he was going listen we're going to win this again and I remember the first the first game kind of set the tempo I remember Alan Maitland was writing for the, the Sun and I think he just left Aloha and um, Tom Hendry the old St Mum manager he took over and Alan Maitland had said oh Aloha will win the league and he gave his predictions for the second division and Schnarr will be in the relegation zone and we remember reading the papers on the way there and we were playing Aloha who were the favourites for the league he's tipping us for relegation and um, we went and won 3-0 David Graham scored 2 and I got the third and it was just that we felt as if that just set the tone where we went you know what uh, we, we, we were kind of created that siege mentality nobody believed in us everybody thought we were going to go back down and, and we, went, we, went, we went up we went the opposite direction and that was kind of credit to the team spirit we had and on top of that we lost our, our top goal scorer that year and Michael Moore who got his move to St Johnson um, so it was it was it was a real difficult time, and we went we went a four five one um, to and just played David Graham up front himself, and the wee man was absolutely on fire. And to top it all off, we lost David Graham uh, to Gretna at Christmas, and we were flying high at the top of the league. So to lose your two strikers and still get promoted, I think it showed unbelievable resolve for all the players that we actually dug through. Because at times I remember we were playing with a striker. We were just actually grinding games out because we didn't have a striker. But um, eventually, for the last five or six games, we managed to get big Michael Moore back. Um, and that kind of seen us over the line. The, the, obviously, the last game against Morton stuck in the memory where the, the kick-off got delayed. We obviously saw the fans coming in and it was it was an unbelievable atmosphere. And you never fancied putting yourself forward to go up top? Oh, no, no, I'd have been the last one. I think, do you know what? I remember like, we were playing like a 4 6 nothing. I think Craig Levine gets sacked for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, but we, had, we had the boy John Fraser, like, he was like a midfielder, but we were just going, just you play up as high as you can. And that, honestly, that that's how low, no, like, we, we didn't have 
we didn't have the squad, but it just showed you how together and just how much we we ground things up. And it was at that, that second division was a real tough league as well. I mean, Morton were full time, you know, and uh, we, we managed to pick them for promotion. So it was a brilliant achievement. It really was. We we can't not talk about Stranra and not mention the impression of Stuart Miller that you uh, you did. Apparently, I've got it on good authority that you know you'd come in and uh, <laughs> impression. So, so can you can you give us a little bit? Uh, well, Stuart used to. Um, I've got a couple of ones. Um, I remember <laughs> I've got ones. Uh, I remember we played um, we played Clyde. Do you remember Stuart Muller was quite irate. Uh, I am I allowed to swear on this? Ah. Uh, so I mean Stuart used to have the uh, the way he'd try to paint the picture for you is he would come in with a limp and he'd he'd have the big teeth out, you know what I mean? He'd be like, oh, Fucking hell's lifting your knob. You know what I mean? That's the way he used to shout. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking better be playing right back. Look at him, Neil. That's the way he used to go. Um, so he used to cane everybody. But one of the ones I really remember was we played Clyde in the first division and uh, we got the boy John Maisano. I don't know if you remember. He played with Morton in that. Australian guy. Sano and him and him and Stevie Aitken, we ginge, used to love playing football. And see, you know, we were a big physical team, so we like get it forward to Michael Moore, flick it on, go and, go and try and get something knocked up. So we're playing Clyde one time and uh, uh, Ginge and John Maisano are passing it five years. Ginge, John, Ginge, you know what I mean? You're like, oh, fucking get it forward. So it ended up half time. Uh, Stuart Muller comes in, he's going, Ginge, John, fucking keep getting the ball with your fucking knob. <laughs> John, my son was Australian, he goes, Fuck sake, shoot! I've only had the ball three times. And he goes, and you've given away three times, you fucking <laughs> So that was, was Stuart, didn't he, a T? Um, that, that's, that's my impression of him. He'll probably not be happy with me. <laughs> but as a partnership, you know, you talk about was it good cop, bad cop between the two of them in the in the best way possible a little bit? You know, one arm around the shoulder and the other one will give you the boot up the backside. Uh, it was definitely the the kind of good cop, bad cop with, um, with Neil and Stuart. And Neil, like I said earlier, he had that he had that authority. You really looked looked up to him, you'd run through a brick wall for him because of how he treated you. They just brought, brought the professionalism to Stranraer and um, you, you knew, you done, they kind of, that start in 11, 12, 13, the nucleus of boys that done well for him. He kind of looked after them contract-wise as well. You got what you deserved and there wasn't any messing about. You know what, you've done well, there you go, there's a wage rise. And and I think boys really appreciated that, and and we, we kept, the honesty he brought was great. And he probably he used Stuart just to go go and pull him up, and that's going swift actually again, you knob. <laughs> so that, that was that was how they kind of worked. Good cop, bad cop. Are you surprised that Neil never went on and uh, stayed in the game? Um, I I know. I mean, obviously he's a very successful businessman. Um. And as much as I think probably sometimes Scottish football, you'd really need to have a lot of patience for it at times. And mm-hmm. I mean, somebody who's, who's that successful in their own life, maybe probably, I would expect he thought at times, you know what, I could do without this. Um, but having said that, I think he maybe um, he'd maybe look to get back into it again and a kind of general manager. 
um, kind of that kind of role. I'd, I'd imagine that would probably be that, but I don't think he would ever be a manager again. I know you had a, a good three-year spell at Irvine Meadow, but after leaving Stranraer, you went to Queen of the South, you went yeah. to Air. Yeah. Had, you, had you hoped for more than, than what came in those two spells? Um, Queen of the South was, was frustrating because I went there and right away um, I tore in pre-season I, I sheared an abductor muscle in my, my groin but to be honest with you the Queen of the South were absolutely brilliant in regards to got me a scan got me a, they told me everything I needed today it was, it was a steroid injection so then after the steroid the first steroid injection I came back played a reserve game against Gretna um, done well done brilliant for 70 minutes and then just at that I went to take off pulled my, my hammy um, because I was compensating for this this muscle that was damaged came off again then then had another six weeks rehab and then uh, basically just kind of was slow it wasn't until about November I, I, I got back I got, got playing and to be honest played played all the time like Ian McCall would showed great faith in me played about six or seven games in a row and then the, the groin injury came back had to get another steroid injection um, to try and recuperate it and it was very it was a real frustrating year um, and top of that um, Irvin Meadow came, came, came in for me and it was to be honest they were throwing about money at the time and I, I felt to myself I was probably frustrated with all the injuries I had at Queen of the South um, with Irvin Meadow offering me this great deal I thought you know what? Again, probably similar to the Lynlithgow one with, with the job. It was beneficial in my my kind of situation, my work and all that at the time as well. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go there. Um, but again, probably probably regretted it at first because I, you should always play. And I would say this to other players: you should always play as high as you can for as long as you can. Um, and and that's when Neil Watt had come in here. Um, and and I'd say to him, Meadow, look. I really appreciate he's offering me this, but I, I want to go and play with her. And, and I, I'd really went there because I knew, because I, I'd, I'd, I'd liked having medal. And I thought to myself, I'll go there and I'll see see how things go. And do you know what? I thought I'd done really well for her. That, that, was, that was actually most games. played re- Well, I played every game, but played really well. Um, and then Neil chucked it. And then Brian Reid came in and just never really seen eye to eye with Brian Reid, to be honest with you. Um, but it was nothing, nothing really. He had his own ideas. I had obviously had a relationship with Neil Watt, and he probably thought the, the kind of Stranar group that, that he had brought in was probably a clique type of thing. And I think he wanted to put his own stamp on things, and that was that was up to him. That was fair enough. Um, so I decided Irvin Meadow still wanted me, and I thought, well, I'll just get back here because I was enjoying it anyway. So um, I probably frustrated. The, the best way to describe the the Queen of the South one was frustration, and the Air United one I thought I'd done really well, so I, I can't I can't really complain. In terms of Irvine Meadow, was that the most games you played at a club? Um, I would I would say so. I would say so. I I think that was five years I was there, so I I will be Irvine Meadow. Yep. Well, what were they like as a club? We all know the name. I mean, again, yep. comparing comparing levels, and I guess we'll maybe find out. About comparing levels now is that in in the years to come now with the, the new structures in in the leagues, yeah. but were they what, what were they like to play for? And then yeah. I guess you could pair them against the Stranraer and these these kind of teams in terms of size and support. Yeah. 
Well, I they, do you, you know what they were a big club. They were, and you you've got to appreciate that they were at a spell where they were putting out a bit of money, but they looked after the players. I'll, I'll go to give them it. I mean. It's, it sounds stupid, but I mean, at junior level, it doesn't really happen. But all your all your kits laid out, your under armour, you know what I mean. You're, you're in, you're 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 well looked after in that respect. Um, for games, um, obviously like going away, pre-match buses, etc. So all that was kind of laid out for you. So a great club and well looked after. And as far as the support, they were they, they were obviously demanding, but. But um, they they were passionate and they, they loved their club as well. But we we always we were up against the Irvin Meadow because everybody everywhere you went you were going oh money grabbers or you you know I mean you're getting pelters off the fan. The only reason you're tapping the league is because you've spent a fortune. So you had all that to deal with and probably similar. If I was to compare it right now, I think that's probably what Darvel will go through. Um, with, with the situation there and they probably remind me quite a bit we were of the medal team and we are signing likes of Brian McGinty for St Mum who were in the Premier League and they then obviously signed the boy McShane um, so making comparisons to that that's that's probably very similar and then from there you went on to, to Pollock and Kilwinning after that yeah you kind of was, was, was kind of coming towards the end of your career you could kind of sense it and was that when the, the coaching was starting to come into your mind <laughs> At the end of the medal, I had a real trouble with my ankle, and um, I couldn't, I couldn't shake it off. But I went to Pollock, and I thought, I'll be honest, I went to Pollock thinking this, this was the club, this was the junior club when I was at Benbub, thinking that was the pinnacle, that was the the, the club that I wanted to play with. And when I went there, if I'm honest, and I don't, I don't want to disrespect. This is just my honest opinion. What I disrespect any Pollock fans or anything. I thought it was bigger than I thought it would have been bigger than what it was. Coming for the medal, getting looked after with your kit, getting getting treated like a real professional. I felt as if it was five steps back at Pollock, and it's probably changed now. Um, but at the time, I felt as if I mean we turned up and they were going, oh, you need to wear these strips to train in the new. We'll not get a training kit and. Um, it's probably changed now right enough, but I was really, really disappointed with, with Pollock's um, professionalism. And, but I, I mean, I'll probably not be um, very popular saying that, but it's the truth. That's that's how I feel. I think uh, you need to be honest, and that's how I feel. I've been medal were uh, 10 steps ahead of Pollock at that time. So when you went to Kilburnie then, did you take those standards? Did you see that? and? try and implement them when you went to Coburnie in terms of, because that's what players are looking for, isn't it? Making sure that the kit's all laid out, making sure we've got the best of training gear and stuff like that. Yeah. So did, it, you, did you do that when you went there? Absolutely. And it sounds trivial. You know you know yourself when you play, you, you, you look for the the details when you're coming to a club and you, you like to be looked after as a professional player. Um, and and it does make a difference. People people can say it doesn't, but it definitely does. I mean, you can you have when I went to Coburnie, and you, you maybe look at these intricate details and subtle details that you want for the players, and the old committee members will be like, oh, can we go? They don't need that. Come on, when I played this and that, but it really does it really does matter. So to answer your question, you do try and implement it, but it's not always easy. We we maybe when when people within the club don't see it as a major priority. Before we finish on your playing days, there was obviously the Scotland Juniors Cup, wasn't there? Or, yeah. Uh, 
Was how many games did you did you play there in total? Was it just well, one? Well, or was it a few? Because it was in a few spells. I, I've actually I've been capped with with the, the three main junior clubs I played with. With Ben Bob, I got a cap when I was eighteen, um, and then I uh, well when I say one cap, I think I go when when you call it a cap, you go to a tournament. So it's like you play Republic Ireland, Northern Ireland, Isle of Man. Um, so you're technically getting three caps for your for your one visit. Um, and then so I got that with Ben Bub, I think it was twice, and then I went to Lunlithgow, uh, got that and we won the tournament when I was at Lunlithgow uh, over in Republic Ireland, and then when I went to Irvine Meadow I received the, the, the cap as well, so now I've got to say, and big Mick Moore used to slag me, going, I need bother with you, he's going to <laughs> sing the national anthem and all that before the game, so, um, but no, honestly it really was brilliant, because you, you think uh, players are in Scotland like we, we when we played it was like Tayport were a good team then you had Talbot but uh, and obviously we were with Lithgow Pollock were a big team you, you go mix all the players together and it feels good you know you know you've done something right and you know you're a good player when you go and play with these guys um, so it was, it was a real good achievement I really loved playing with Scotland and take you back into the, the dugout and, your, and your, your position as a manager now Hearing you speak about management, seeing what you've done in the game, presumably you want to go as high as you can. You talk about playing as high as you can. Presumably you want to go as high as you can as a manager. This is fueling you now. This is this is where you want to be. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as much as I'm enjoying my job at the moment, um, and the beauty of it is I feel BSE have gave me the real run of things, which which is great for any manager. You don't want to be restricted with general managers or, or maybe chairmen that, that want to be controlling. I think it's very, very difficult, and I, I think it's quite a toxic relationship when that when that happens. But I've been really lucky enough that when I was at Coburnley, I had an unbelievable secretary in Gordon Ronnie who who was a tremendous influence in me and being he was he was great at letting me be a own man and and when you go into the next job you have that fear factor where you think oh is this guy going to be controlling but George Fraser's just kind of same as Gordon they've, they've let me get the run of the run of the place sign who I want obviously they need to put a cap on the money right enough which is a <laughs> Which is a, a bit of a blow, but no, um, like you say, I, I love I love the management and, and it's great at BSC, but I really have got ambitions of going, going higher, definitely. Obviously, getting the, the, the good run in the Scottish Cup, uh, playing Hibs in the Scottish Cup, certainly that must have raised the profile, not just of, of the players, but of the, the backroom staff as well. Aye, I mean, I think like I think I'd mentioned earlier on that I hadn't really heard of BSE Glasgow, and that's probably true amongst many people in Scotland. But one thing that we done this year was definitely put them on the map. Um, even recruiting, we had mentioned earlier, is uh, them putting a date on things easier for recruiting. Aye, but the biggest thing for me is that we put ourselves on the map. Everybody knows BSC Glasgow. Anybody I speak to now goes, oh, I, I mean, I seen you playing Hibs and, you know, I mean, that looked like a brilliant day. What a cup run that was. So we us doing that, it, it helps the whole club. I think I mentioned earlier, regards to the under-20s, all of a sudden the younger players want to be a part of this um, and we can attract better players for that. But not only that, uh, in my recruitment process has became easier because we're attracting better players now as well. What about your your assistant manager 
I think when you first went in there, you had Michael Moore alongside you. You mentioned him earlier. Now it's Fraser Wright, uh, the Stranraer Old Boys Network working well, but um, yeah. two different types of assistant managers. Oof, I think chalk and cheese comes to mind. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, you, you look at it, um, I was actually speaking to Kenny Moyes the day about this, and, and you say, Michael, when, when I when I first started and you're, you're doing a team talk, you would say, Michael, have you got anything to say? Reluctantly, you would say that because you would, you'd still be talking the new, you know what I mean? <laughs> Whereas um, Big Fraser is, is, is different. When he says something, people listen, and he will he'll be very abrupt. He'll say what he needs to say. That's it. Let's go. That's it. And um, two totally different characters, but equally effective. So um, that's um, it. Just shows you different different ways uh, can work. And I guess Fraser is an example of. You obviously did really really well with you guys at Stranra, but he's like an example for everybody who's playing under you right now, isn't he? That if you if you work hard get the breaks, you can win a Scottish Cup. Oh, unbelievable. What, what an achievement. And we, we kept bringing that up this year and with the Scottish Cup run, we just say, look, he's a classic example. I just, I was winding them up. I says, couldn't he trap a bag of cement? He's got a Scottish <laughs> Cup medal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, the, the big man knows I'm kidding on, but um, what, what, a, what a career Fraser's had in the fact that he's, um, went and won a Scottish Cup it's just it's, it's exactly what you said it's there for everybody to see if you are willing to work hard and commit yourself to the game it just shows you what you can achieve because I mean Fraser was at Stranraer and you would never say he was an outstanding talented football player but if you go and get him a job Fraser keep it simple win your headers win your tackles and pass to somebody he went and done that and made a, an absolutely amazing career at it. And, and it's, it's a great example for me to use my players when we're working through that Scottish Cup period. I'm David Gormley, manager of Rossville Football Club, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Some big hitting signing news down the divisions this week. East Cub Ride manager Stephen Aitken promised us some high profile signings on episode 11. And he's been good to his word after bringing in former Partick and Dundee United midfielder Paul Payton. Lowland League rivals Kelty Hearts then hit back by landing ex-Kermonic man Callum Higginbottom after his spell out in India. Elsewhere, Nielsen have signed goalie Grant Hay from Rutherglen Glen Cairn and Troon have brought back Christian Nade for a second spell and signed Jordan Morton too. Darvel have landed keeper Andrew Duncan while Lankarty boss Robbie Holden has signed Craig Mitchell and Lewis Mackey. Defender Martin Brogan has joined Vale of Leaven and Glen Afton have secured striker Ron Cameron. Shots boss John McKeown has convinced Dylan McGuigan to join, while Arthur Lee have signed in-demand Deo Simeon, who has scored over 100 goals from midfield. And Kaluk Rovers have re-signed attacker Kwaku Nayami. Hi, Stephen Aitken, East Coast Bayern manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. I started the news there with uh, with the signings East Club Ride and Kelty Hearts have managed to pull off, Stephen. When you see the calibre of players some teams in the lower league are bringing in now, the money that's being spent, how tough does their spending power make it for you? Um, it, make, it makes it tough. definitely does. I mean, we, we looked at it last year and Kelty are bringing in uh, Nathan Austin 
Dylan Easton, who we had actually played against Forfar in the Scottish Cup um, that that previous season, and we just thought he was unbelievable. And for him to go there um, was a unbelievable signing for Celtic Hearts. Um, and then, then at the tail end of the season, they go and sign Tidzer as well. So it was just never ending. And then they're making another signing there as well. So we know, we're under no illusions how tough it's going to be. Stephen Aitken's obviously not going to go to East Kilbride with um, the backing and, and the guarantee that he's going to be able to bring his own players in. So there's def- it's going to be a real t- tough league but you know what? That's the way you want it. You want to play against the best players, um, and and we we feel as if that we've done done really well. I mean, the last three times we played Kelty, we beat them three 0 We put them at the cup, and then we drew two each with them there. They scored in the ninety fourth minute, and we missed a penalty with ten minutes to go. So, I mean, looking at it, yeah, they've got they've got brilliant players, but we feel as if we're more than a match for them. And we might not be, we're definitely not the biggest spenders in the league. Um, we've got our own way of doing things but we believe we've created a culture within the club we believe we've got some good players and we believe we can definitely go and compete in the league can't believe you asked him how he felt how do you think I feel? (laughs) 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 the golf has just got massive isn't it I'm looking at Paul Payton moving on stuff like that is unbelievable honest to God and Darvo, I mean, Darvo, they're saying everybody. By the way, and I touched it last week, there's so much haters out there as well. I honestly wish them all, I honestly, genuinely, yes, in our division, we're in the conferences, the, the golf's going to get bigger and bigger, but I'm just hoping, do you know what I mean? Players are going to have to leave their clubs as well, and we maybe get a wee sniff at one or two. Well, there's, there's always players, there's, there's always players, and I think what I've learned as well, I mean, see when I was at Colburnley, I would always be looking for that that player that's maybe played at a right good level, and you, you, you're, you're dying to offer them the money that they want, and you know you can and you know what you're better at, you're better actually just being patient, picking up young, hungry players, if that's, if that's the market you're in, which is the market that we're in, that, um, pick up young, hungry players that actually want to be there, and want to improve, and want to get better, um, because there's no point chasing players that are there to pick up a, a quick quick buck. And are coachable as well. Oh, I mean, that, that's a big thing for me as well. I mean, when, when you're coaching these young players and the right types, I always say that, that the right types are so important. So much more enjoyable for you as a coach, but also I think it improves the team more as well. There's nothing worse than, than players that are um, detrimental to, to the culture that you're trying to build. Absolutely. You've, uh, as we've talked about, you've played in what is now League Two, League One, the Championship. Do you look at Poland League now and, and even throw in, you know, the the West of Scotland Premiership and what's coming in maybe the conferences as well? Are the lower leagues now, or even the the leagues below the lower leagues, more competitive than they've ever been in your opinion? And can you see it? Can you see maybe a sea change now coming over the next five, ten years of of the new newer clubs with the, the the structures making their way up and perhaps replacing some of the what you'd call the more traditional lower league clubs in Scotland? Oh, without without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, you, you look years ago and uh, probably this level, you, you'd like your Selkirks and things like that. And I remember like playing them with Irvine Meadow and you you beat them kind of with ease. But now now you look at the Lowland League. And, and you're right, it's it's so so competitive. 
I mean, Celtic are the original kind of trailblazers in the respect that they've seen that they've seen that opportunity to try and get into League League Two, and I think they've proven that they're they're no messing about. You've got to kind of feel for them the fact that they've they've been awarded the league rightly or wrongly, but they've been awarded the league and they're not getting the opportunity to go and try and progress, which which I don't feel is right. But that's another story. But like you say, Celtic, Bonnie Rig, um, ourselves, East Stirling, these teams are all desperate. To try and get league status, so it puts your pressure on your your breaking to finish bottom. Berwick are the classic example who have went down. East Stirling have went down. There's no guarantees you can get back up now because the league is so competitive. Um, I mean, you, you look at Berwick last year. I think they, they, they finished at the lower end of the low league table coming for League Two. So it's it's definitely improving. And I think what I'd said earlier, um, maybe the teams that have been floating about um, the bottom of League Two are really going to have to be looking over their shoulder. So I, I think it's uh, good all round for Scottish football in the respect that you can't just be in a comfort zone. If you remember East Stirling for years finishing bottom of the league and going over still in it, you can't do that anymore. You've got to make sure you recruit well, you've got to make sure your club is on the, in the right direction and I think it will give everybody a kick up the backside to make sure that they're not going to be um, falling down the football pyramid. I'm going to come in on that as well because... What you said there, I think there's going to be opportunities, not just for players, but for managers, because Stephen touched on earlier about when you go and do the SFA, co- the, the, the coaching courses, right? You will always learn something. It's always something that you'll pick up on. And I always think that in the senior game, the higher divisions, a bit of snobbery. Players finish the game, I think they've got a right to walk into these clubs and a right to walk into these jobs. But now you're seeing progressive managers Stephen being one of them, all of a sudden these clubs up above are now going to say, looking over their shoulders, the glass ceiling is removed, they're going to be saying, wait a minute, and club chairman are going to say, who have we got in the leagues that's going to get us out of that? And somebody like Stephen that's been in the league, been over the course, I think is an opportunity here for everybody, everybody to move on. And uh, I think there's a lot of people will be worried. Clubs as well. Yep. Absolutely, totally agree. And like you said as well, Gareth, um, the, the the other side of it is the the top junior teams. I mean, you look look at the ambitions of Darville, um, Auckland Letter, obviously well renowned. Uh, what, what they're all about, and Pollock, who I've mentioned, big clubs. And top of that, in the east side, you've got Lithgow, who who I played with, top club. The, these clubs are going to have ambitions to then themselves go up the football p- p- pyramid. So what is their potential? Like, so look at the fan base Pollock's got. If they get potential when they do get up to the Lone League to go and kick on again and get a fright to go up to League Two. So it, I think I think the, the way the football pyramid is at the moment is give everybody that... Um, that sight, that that kind of light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, where they can actually get to. The only thing that really annoys me is I feel as if if you finish bottom of League Two, I think you should be done. If you finish bottom of any league, for me, you should be done. I think it protects the teams far too much. Fair enough. See if you want to play a playoff between the Lowland and the Highland League, fair enough. But then having to play the bottom of the league again, I, I just don't think is right. If you finish bottom of any league, you should be done. The other thing as well is, the way it's priced to get into to get into the game is cheap. See if see if I wasn't in the dugout on the Saturday and I was looking for a game to go to, I'd go out and watch this leagues because it's going to be good. It's going to be exciting, mm-hmm. and I think I think we should once everybody returns and crowds can get back in, should be looking to get along to these games because it's going to be good quality. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Yep, totally agree. How, how does it leave you then, Stephen, for ambitions and, and realistic expectations when you see East Kilbride chucking money about, when you see Kelty bringing in Callum Higginbottom? What, what are your realistic expectations for the, for the season? Um, realistic, um, I mean, we, we know it's going to be tough. We know we know the, the quality that these teams have brought in. Um, and obviously, you, you know, yeah, Stephen Aitken has, has got a, a reputation of recruiting well. So, like we say, East Kilbride won't have the season that they had last year, which puts more pressure Um their expectations, I can't, I can't change my expectations that I, I want to go and win the league. That I, I don't think I can enter any competition with another with another view. Whether whether um, it materialises like that, I'll be preparing my team the same way as we did last year, um, and I think we'll improve this year, and hopefully um, we'll we'll be there, we'll be as close as we can anyway. I'm Cammy Bell, Queen's Park goalie, and this is Down the Divisions. Which brings us on to Inside the Mind. Each week we'll put our guests on the spot to look deep into their psyche and discover some hidden stories. Right, Stephen? Who was your idol as a boy? Um, my idol, I've got to say, Paul McStay, growing up. He was um, he was the one um, we'd mentioned that 87, 88 centenary year earlier on. <laughs> um, he was just well, I don't know who's right there, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he was the one that kind of stood out that year where I just felt that I think the, the midfield maestro that's what he was called. And I was I was a young boy watching watching Celtic then, and I thought he was absolutely outstanding. So I'll have to say Paul McStay, and I met him actually. I met him at a night out one time and I sat next to him and I think it was one of them, he's going, oh no, when's he going to leave me? <laughs> and then I, I went up and sang karaoke and I went, this one's for you, Paul. And the next thing after the karaoke, i never seen him again. So he, he must have done a smoke bomb. Like, I'm a race issue. Well, what were you singing? Uh, I was actually singing uh, Elton John, uh, Don't Let the Sun Go Down In Me, for Paul McStay. <laughs> There you go, Paul. That's for you. <laughs> uh, who is the opponent you always dreaded facing? Um, well, I've wrote here, uh, probably the biggest roasting I ever had was off a player, Argentinian player called Martin Prest. Um, he played for Ross County. He played with Airdrie as well when all the influx of kind of Spaniards and Argentinians came. Um, and what had happened was that we were playing for Livy and uh, we went up there. But uh, we went up with kind of a reserve team and their their season was starting the next week. So they were right. This was their last friendly. So they were they were pumped up. And I remember going into it with the wrong attitude. And I remember going like we were in Aviemore, and and I remember eating hundreds of toast. <laughs> Before the game, and I, I remember before the game going, oh, I'm stuffed. I'm I'm out the gunnels here. I don't feel right because too much toast. And uh, and next thing is this Martin Prest boy just uh, honestly kept knocking it by me, and the toast was weighing me down. I think. Um, so he 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 absolutely gave me a run around. But the funny thing was, he played with Ross County, and then he got a move to Wraith, and I played for Stranra. And I'm, I'm no kidding on, I remember the full week going like that, oh no, I'm <laughs> playing it, I go, 
this that boy pressed signed for Rafe Rovers I can't believe this and I was worrying about it all week I remember I was even playing golf and I'm going like that I'm not going to make this pop because I'm thinking about Martin Prest what <laughs> 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 uh, you call it so I ended up playing him right and he played up front and we were playing a a, um, a 3-5-2 and big Fraser right went down with an Achilles injury and I was playing right wing back so I was out the way what did he say? Just held Stuart Miller's fifty, you knob. Go back to left centre back. And it was that Martin pressed. I was like, oh, this is that just sums it up. Honestly, what chance he got? And then I went back and I'm looking no on, but I remember thinking, first time he got it, smashed him, and I took it off him and he swiped me and he got booked. And then after that, I was I was absolutely fine. I, I marked him at the game, and it just shows you a different mindset because you had that fear factor. Uh, but the, the the game before, he terrorised me. And ju- just just I wrote a couple other players there that that terrorised me a wee bit was David Fernandez. We used to play practice matches at Levy, and so he tried to get a ball off him. I mean, it was like. He's, he tied a balloon to his foot, you know what I mean? And he's, he's running away. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't leave his foot. It was, un, it was unreal. And then another tough player I felt really tough to play against was Dougie Emery. I thought Dougie Emery was a tough player. So I would say Martin Press, David Fernandez, and Dougie Emery, they were the players that I feared the most. Not a bad three. So what's the favourite football top you've worn in your playing days and why? Um, definitely this one. It's um, Neil Watt had got us all Stranraer. Uh, it was uh, we were sponsored by some terrible make, and uh, I can't even remember. It was Admiral or even near offence to Admiral. It's probably worse than that, right? <laughs> and 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 uh, would you call it the strips were hanging off you? And I remember for the very last game of the season, we were playing Albion Rovers. Neil Watt got us this brand new Stranraer night kit obviously the Stenner line and it was all tight fitted and I thought that is absolutely different class and just the fact we win the league that day that's uh, and I've actually got the strip framed so that is a very special strip for me uh, Who's the best player you've played with or worked with? Um, well I'll give you both uh, the best player I've played with was a toss up um, it was between Ryan Stevenson when I was at Air United and David Graham was Shunra. Now, we, we David Graham, we, was unbelievable. And I'd mentioned that, I mean, he practically got us up in the second division himself. He, he was just at a different level at that time. And even when I went to Queen of the South, eh, we eh, he, he played with Gretna and he terrorised us at Queen of the South as well. But I'm going to go for Ryan Stevenson for sheer ability and the respect that when I was at Air, I remember you should look at it online Ryan Stevenson scored a goal against Alwa and I've headed it out to the edge of the box and he's picked it up went by about three players went up to the edge of the box that player's dived in he's chopped it back one of the ones he chopped back and then slowed it in with his left foot for his own box and he was just an unbelievable talent uh, Ryan he really was so I'm going to have to say best player played with Ryan Stevenson best player managed and this is between Martin Grehan and Ross McMillan for sheer attitude. Big Paolo, the best striker that I know that to use his body, the way he backed in, the way he just held it in was unbelievable. Martin Grehan and, and Ross McMillan, who was a top, top captain. So they two were, were great for me as well. 
And this is the one we've all been waiting for. What's the best practical joke you've seen? Uh, well, I've I've got. A, I mean, I, I think I've told you the one we we Lee Sharp when Big Dexy was in the was in the paper and I carried on. I was some reporter for the Sun, Gareth <laughs> Law. So, um, but uh, Sharpie had fell for that and he was going. Uh, we were we were just asking him questions and what would he eat on the way to Stranraer and he was telling us what kind of pieces he ate and all that and we started kind of provoking him saying oh we do you gamble but the best one ever was was michael moore who classes himself as the top bank manager so i, I phoned him um saying hi michael i heard you're gonna do me a deal in my mortgage <laughs> <laughs> and he's going oh, i don't remember you coming in sir and i'm going oh, i was just in the other day you bloody idiot so next day and all this, he's going, oh, I can't really remember, but I'll, I'll help you out, don't worry. So go through this big rigmarole, and he says, what's your name? And I says, John Daly. And he says, oh, how do you spell that? He says, like the golfer, Michael. And he goes, <laughs> Michael goes, I heard you're better than him. And I goes, not funny, Michael. So right away, big mix in, in a shell. And then eventually I went through <laughs> all this, uh, gain on my, he says, what's your account number? So I'm gaining my account number, like 01014186. So he's trying to type it out. I can just imagine him, big slow typer. And he's going, could you repeat that again, please? So I'm going, for God's sake, put the manager on, you bloody idiot. And he's going, okay, you can calm down, sir. We will get there. We will honestly get there. So then I'm going like that again, right? 01014186. I could just hear him on the keyboard, tat, tat, tat. <laughs> the big man's new flattened because he's going could you repeat that again sir so I've absolutely you're a bloody imbecile you idiot <laughs> and honestly he's like look sir if you could please calm down I'll, I'll, I'll get there in the end I says you are the worst bank manager ever so I'm honestly getting him at stinking at this point so right I, I gave him it for the, for the third or fourth time I'm going 01014186 so I could just tell it's went silent did you give me the last two digits, please? And I went, oh, yeah. So I've absolutely annihilated him. Eventually, he's got it, and it's come up my details, Stephen Swift, and he's well at I could just hear his mind up. <laughs> Swifty? He's going, Swifty? What's just happened to you? And he's like, I need to go to register, but just happened to you. And he had to go, and then eventually he phoned me back. He says, you're buying me a few pints tonight, man. I'm a bag of nerves with that. <laughs> I'd, I'd absolutely done him hook, line and sinker and the big man still gets pelters for it where, where were you when he did it were you in the house or were you, were you with somebody no I was actually I was actually driving and uh, I was on my way to work but honestly one of the ones he, he's talking and you've got uh, you've got your jumper on your, your mouth trying to, try to cover your laugh but off oh, the big man anytime we get like a wee Stranard reunion the boys ask to hear that story as well just so they can, <laughs> can slaughter him because he thinks he's the big the big bank manager does he still work in the bank? he, nah, worked in the one in, he was working in Kaluk the first thing I asked Big Mick in his first year in the bank he said oh did you say what in Kaluk he's moved now he's nah, got he, he's, he's, his first year in the bank I goes how are you getting on anyway in the bank Mick says yeah I'm okay man he says, I'm, I'm okay at adding it, so taking away. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Bank of Scotland are lucky to have him. <laughs> uh, the big man's done well now, but, but uh, I think he's had to come through a heavy transitional period. <laughs> and, and, and was that, that was the reason why 
he had to kind of leave BSC Glasgow for his for his work commitments. Yeah, he's uh, obviously had to he had to leave, but he's got things sorted. So we're we're hoping to get him back. And as much as I'm slagging the big man here, he's absolutely he's a brilliant football man. I've got to say, he's um, our boys absolutely love him, and that that kind of buffer between the management and the and the players. He's just brilliant, and, and like I say, the players really they can they can go to him. He's that guy. Well, maybe they'd be scared to come to me or Fraser. They'd they, they'd rather go to Big Mick, and, and uh, he's he's great at kind of reassuring them. So no, it's great great to have the big man back. So he is coming back. He's Even back. So you've, got, you've got an exclusive, Gareth. <laughs> just making a note of that Steve he even, even talks football in branch when I used to go in he was always talking football and in, but as I say he's disappeared I've just seen him for a good while now that's right he's uh, I don't know where, where I think he's in Rutherland or something now, yeah. I'm Joe Rossi player coach of Vale of Leithen you're listening to Down the Divisions before we finish up, we'll clear up this down the divisions decider, which I think Swifties already revealed the answer earlier on there. Paul, can we have those those four clues again? So the pound note was withdrawn from uh, circulation. Two big films in the movies were Rain Man and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Luton Town won the English League Cup and Celtic won the League and Cup double. And Stephen was correct. It was Celtic's centenary year. Sorry, Gareth. I cannot believe you never copied him. Beat the pundit. <laughs> That's a different show, Stephen. <laughs> that, that, that would have been the cop out, though, Paul, to, to copy him. You see, so. Yeah. Ah well, I would have. I would have. I, <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think you did. I think when Murdo McKinnon was on, I think you did copy. Ah, but I, did, I did. Stephen, thanks for thanks for joining us tonight, and no uh, we appreciate you coming on, guys. Good. Uh, thanks, it's been good looking back uh, back at those days playing, and we hope to. Management continues to to go well, and yes, uh, Glasgow have a good season when the football resumes. Yeah, really appreciate. It. Good luck for the season, Paul. Cheers, thanks very much. Thank All you. Right. Likewise, yeah, you can get in touch with the show with comments or suggestions for people to speak to. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail dot com. That's downthedivisions at gmail dot com, or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Do leave a comment, which helps others find us, and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll speak to you again next week. In fact, we won't pull. We're away for a week next week. So we'll we are off next week. Yes, we're off next week. So we'll speak to you in two weeks on Down the Divisions.